Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hello and welcome to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and today I am speaking with a woman who is out there doing some really innovative and interesting things in the fashion category. And I really wanted to speak with uh, Aneta Mivadimen, sorry, Aneta, um, just because she is really creating sustainability uh, with her fashion products. and. I think that really ties into what yogis are interested in and how we're considering every area of of upgrading our life and being more responsible for the environment, being more positively impactful for our communities and for our health and lifestyle. So welcome, Aneta. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad that you could join me and um, yeah, share a little bit about what you're up to because I think it's very interesting both from the perspective of the actual product that you have created and and are creating, but also from your journey as an entrepreneur kind of tied into the wellness space or or into the sustainability space. So you have a beautiful company called As We Are Now. And yeah, it's uh, it's called Avon, uh, which stands for As We Are Now. We actually um, did a little bit of a a rebranding before it was As We Are Now. Oh, I'm sorry. As, okay. Uh, as the main name for it. Uh, but uh, we realized that Avon is easier to remember. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. I know because I, I mean, I see that in your branding both, both spelled out and, yeah. and the it's acronym. It's confusing right now. We're kind of in a process. <laughs> yeah, which is, I'm sure, typical for a lot of businesses. You know, you hit that two, three year mark in your business and there's kind of a reevaluation that can happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So will you tell us just a little bit about your company? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Avon is um, uh, a direct-to-consumer fashion brand. And uh, we design what we would like to call a new generation of sustainable and versatile loungewear for women, challenging the sweatpants as the go-to comfort wear. Uh, and then we were introducing the dress as the most effortless uh, comfort wear. I started it in 2018 um, because I myself was really struggling to find uh, comfortable clothing that I wanted to wear. And I also been looking for quite a long time. Uh, and um, I thought I realized that there's a huge gap in the market for uh, something that uh, is both sustainable and comfortable. Mm. Yeah, and, and beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's another aspect of it as well. It's um, usually when uh, what we realize is that nine out of 10 women actually change when they come home to be more more comfortable. But very few are actually very proud of what they change into. (laughs) I think we did a survey where uh, 76% said they're not happy with what they change into. And um, that is despite there's actually been quite a big market for for comfortable clothing. It's a uh, I think it's 110 billion dollar market, but it's very much dominated by either traditional sleepwear or yoga pants, mm-hmm. <laughs> or sportswear. So uh, if you want something in between that uh, makes you feel more feminine and effortless, uh, but it still has the same level of comfort, there is very little to choose from. 
Yeah, well, and it's funny. I I answered that survey when you sent it out. Yeah, and <laughs> and absolutely, that's true. And for me, I mean, I live in yoga pants, and some yeah. people are like, "Oh, you're so lucky. You just get to wear yoga clothes all the time." And I'll tell you what, though, when you you know, in my teacher trainings, I'm I'm at work in yoga pants ten to twelve hours a day, and even when you have really comfortable yoga pants. Um, when I get home from work, I take them off. And when I take off my yeah. yoga pants, it's like, oh, and some Funny, people f- yoga pants is pretty much your workwear, right? Yeah, it is my workwear. But it's, yeah. it's still when you are in it for many, many, many hours. Um, it's funny that even that can feel restrictive and slightly uncomfortable. And so it's definitely, you know, I I certainly change into other clothes when I get home, even though I'm wearing yoga pants for work. Yeah, I think there's many reasons why people change. I mean, one thing is that, you know, you kind of enter another part of your life uh, where you kind of want to almost like shed uh, (laughs) the outside world and come into your comfortable wellness space in a sense when you come home. But I also think it is because fashion for so long has been about women having to fit into to clothes rather than clothes fitting around women. Uh, I mean, we have a long history of fashion not, you know, being quite painful actually. Mm. Uh, and uh, and that's kind of uh, even though with the with the athleisure trend that's kind of dominated uh, the market for the last eight years, it's still very limited um, for you know nice looking comfortable clothing. For women, there hasn't really, you know, been that much innovation in this space since the yoga pants, to be honest. Right. Well, and one thing that I find really interesting along that line, too, is, you know, where I'm at personally, I'm six months pregnant. And yeah. I do have some yoga pants, you know, I've I've, I've found the most comfortable yoga pants and, and they feel good to wear as my belly and body changes. But um, still, maternity clothing is so ugly. For the most part, you know, it's just like it's shapeless, it's baggy, it's big. Yeah, it's comfortable and it gets the job done. But one of the things I admire about your aesthetic with your dresses is they can be all those same things in terms of function and comfort (laughs) and yet still have style. You don't feel like you're, you know, this soccer mom, a U.S. woman. Yeah, I'm so happy you feel like that. I actually started the you know the idea for Avan while I was in maternity leave I um as I kind of started saying that I've been looking a long time for more comfortable clothing generally I really love you know I, I love a certain type of sleepwear <clears throat> I just love kind of that feeling of of, of uh, putting something on that just makes you relax basically mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's why I turned to sleepwear because that's where I kind of usually would find those type of clothes but then I you know, sleepwear aesthetics is so outdated. I mean, no one really dresses like that uh, in any other parts of their life when you think about certain types of, of, of sleepwear aesthetics, at least. Um, so, uh, so, and when I got pregnant, I think my need for to be comfortable all the time really increased. And I was re- like revisiting this kind of thought that, God, there's so little out there that uh, suits my aesthetics and my identity while at the same time makes me feel as relaxed as I want to feel in clothes and so um, you know having been an entrepreneur for quite a long time I um, realized I kind of want to use all the skills that I have uh, gained throughout the years and create something much more value driven and something that I 
feel like it's part of my journey as a woman. And uh, then I do started doing a lot of research around this category of clothing. And I realized that, wow, this is like a huge opportunity. Not only is there very little uh, in this space, but if you also add sustainable to that kind of list, long list of demands, if you like, uh, for what clothes should be like, it's hardly anything out there. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And it's either if you're taking it from the perspective of either sleepwear or maternity clothing. Um, what I found for both of those categories, just in general for myself, is that a lot of the clothing that fits into those categories is cheap. And cheap yeah. equals not sustainable in terms of fabric, in terms of production, in terms of uh, health for the environment. And so I agree that you're doing something very innovative by sort of mirroring these ideas together. First of all, a category that doesn't have a lot going on in it. <laughs> and yeah. then second of all, something that brings in a little bit more of that mindfulness aspect. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's, uh, I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a holistic experience to choose clothes and to, you know, to wear them. And it should, you know, now that more people are becoming more conscious about the whole uh, journey of their clothes and um, and also what they should be able to expect from the clothes that they, they wear. I feel like uh, this is becoming uh, something more people think about. I uh, One of the reasons why I chose the dress, basically, as the most, as the product to focus on is that I was also uh, like a, a style of clothing that I've always liked. Um, <clears throat> but uh, when to your point, when I was looking around to find these nice looking, comfortable dresses, they were all, or a lot of them in like, or the affordable styles were in low quality, non-breathable synthetic fabrics. But the styles and the higher quality fabrics that I liked, they weren't sold as comfortable dresses. They were sold as occasion wear. And so they were completely out of my price range. Mm. So there was like either or situation going on there. Mm. Will you tell us a little bit about the fabric that you selected? Yeah. So in the beginning, the first collection, I was um, testing out a few different combinations. But uh, what was important to me that it is uh, from natural fibers and that they have performance qualities that you would also find in yoga clothes. They're breathable, uh, moisture-wicking, antibacterial, easy care. You know, who has time to hand wash clothes these days mm. um and that you know they were obviously like soft and, and and comfortable uh on your skin so I was doing a lot of research on what type of fabrics would kind of meet these demands and um I was uh, in my previous job I was uh, which is a creative uh design manufacturing agency um we were looking into uh we were looking into sportswear or uh, uh, outdoor wear for our clients. And I was introduced to these, uh, to these performance fabrics that I didn't know existed before. And I was like, God, why not? Why don't people use these fabrics into, into other type of clothing, into everyday clothing? Uh, and I was introduced to Tencel, uh, which is a lyocell uh, made in a closed loop uh, cycle um, that uses very little water, non-toxic chemicals, and uh, pretty much, I think, one of the most sustainable fabrics that are uh, commercially available right now. Um, and we use that uh, majority of the, of the dresses that we uh, produce are in Tencel or Tencel blends. Mm. Uh, so some of them are blended with Merino, Cupro, 
Uh, we have uh, some dresses in organic cotton and kind of trying some different, we were trying some different fabrics in the beginning, but going forward, uh, we're going to um, be focusing 100% on these more uh, nanotech lyocells, as they're called. Hmm. Yeah, I know the dress that I have is called um, Technical Cashmere. Yeah. So you have a dress that is uh, one of those other uh, fabrics that we were testing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, that is, um, so everyone, when they uh, associate loungewear, luxury, you know, you would think about cashmere. But what I find with cashmere is that it's very impractical. You know, you have to hand wash it. It's, uh, it doesn't stay nice very long. So I was looking for an option of, like another option for that and I found technical cashmere which is a blend of viscose and uh, cashmere uh, but uh, the one thing you know you know you know honestly with the dress that you have although people love it because it's so soft and you can almost like barely can't feel that you have it on yeah uh, <laughs> is that that is the only dress in our collection that has uh that has a little bit of um uh of um polyester in it hmm. and that was because he needed to have that to strengthen the fabric to make it machine washable so you know we won't be producing dresses with uh with that you know moving forward but it's like we need to find a, an alternative because people love that dress yeah well and I imagine that's part of the process is it's it's with every business it's always trial and error you know, yeah. you have the vision, you have the goal, and sometimes you, you try things on, sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. And that's the natural progression, I think, of a company and a business and a brand that is moving forward. <laughs> Absolutely. And I say that to a lot of entrepreneurs that like, you can't, you need to know where you're going with this. Obviously, you need to have a, a vision for this. And why, why are you in the market? Why, why are you doing this? Why should people buy your product or buy into your brand? But you can't be perfect from day one. It's impossible. Uh, if that is your strategy, you'll never get off the ground. Absolutely. And you also, I think, as an entrepreneur, you have that vision, which is amazing. That's kind of your northern star to keep you going and keep you motivated. But you also have to be really comfortable with failure and with making mistakes and with not succeeding at some of your ideas. I think that's the, the really challenging part that kind of weeds people out from entrepreneurship is when it gets tough and when things don't go your way. And we're recording this in the middle of the, the pandemic shutdown. So a lot of people <laughs> yeah. listening absolutely can understand and, and uh, commiserate with this. But if you don't have that drive to keep going because you trust your vision so deeply, then I think it's easy to fall off the wayside and be like, man, this just is too hard. I think I'm going to do something else. Yeah. I, uh, I think there were a couple of things that's helped me on this journey why it's kind of been almost like a very natural journey for me. One is that I, when I was 18, I went to London to, uh, with a, <laughs> I wanted to be a pop star, <laughs> I wanted to make music and, uh, I kind of just went for it. And, uh, you know, um, that, uh, was the start of a really interesting journey of a lot of um, a lot of um, what do you call it? Not necessarily failures, but just like no's, basically, mm. uh, and be able to face that and still move on and still believe that you have something that is worth pushing for. 
uh, that uh, was a really valuable experience. And then um, after that, I you know started a company and uh, have been an entrepreneur. I, I kind of knew the journey I was going on, if you know what I mean. Like I knew that this wasn't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, but at the same time, if you kind of really believe in what you're doing and you're pushing through and you are always learning and developing then uh, there isn't really any reason for why I or anyone else shouldn't be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you came up with your idea and you were pregnant and you're like, I want comfortable clothes that are going to look nice and be sustainable, are you the designer of the clothing or did you hire a designer or how do you come up with the actual designs of the dresses? Yeah, that's another uh, interesting question because uh, when I get the question about like, how, why did you start this? There are so many answers to that question. I mean, like, when do I even start? Do I start from when, you know, when I was in maternity leave and I was brainstorming ideas or from my previous jobs when things were just kind of, you know, all these small sort of uh hints towards a bigger idea or when I was a kid when I was designing dresses in my room every day (laughs) and uh, it kind of um, uh, so I designed the dresses myself I don't have like a formal education as a designer but for the last eight years I've been overseeing designers uh, in the team that uh, we had in my previous job and so I kind of knew the process very well and I was uh, also in charge of um, the production uh, process for the factories. Um, but then also when I was a kid, I, I designed a lot, of, I, I drew a lot of dresses and I've always kind of been interested in that. I uh, The only reason why I didn't go down that route as a kid to become a fashion designer was because I thought that to be a fashion designer, you also had to know how to sew. Mm. And I, uh, that wasn't interesting to me. <laughs> so so, uh, so I didn't go down that road at the time and I followed this other dream of being a singer and songwriter. And uh, now I feel like at this part or later part of my life, I'm following my second childhood dream and designing dresses. <laughs> yeah, well, that just makes me think so much of this idea um, that we use, that we talk about in, or this concept in yoga is uh, Dharma. And Dharma is like your your sacred duty, it's your highest calling. And we can kind of reinterpret it for the modern age where it's like this deeply ingrained passion that drives who you are and what you do and how you contribute to the society at large. And every single person I know who is successful, whether it be in business or just in life in general, uh, has some sort of a connection to their dharma or to their purpose. And I think it's really beautiful. And then that being said, of course, there are a lot of people who are not sure what their purpose is or who who are looking for some deeper meaning in their life. And I love that you say that designing dresses really connects you back to a childhood dream. It's like, oh, well, then that makes perfect sense to me why your business (laughs) is is on the trajectory that it's on and why you're having the success that you're having in in a short amount of time is because you're aligned with what you're doing. Well, it's, I think when you have had uh, something that's been with you, even though you haven't maybe activated it in a sense for a long time, you have always been looking for signs or you kind of like, for example, when I was doing the first dress collection, um, it was important to me that it was intentional design. So that it was a design that was meant to make 
a woman feel better about her body and about herself. You know, there's very these dresses are very simple, but they're, every detail matters in a sense. You know, the 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 sort of length of the splits or the hang tags that are on the outside and not the inside, not to be itchy in the neck. Um, the uh, just kind of every detail. I mean, and, and again, nothing. I'm not saying that they're perfect, but um, I felt like it was easy for me to just really quickly get into it because I've been thinking about it for so long. Hmm. Yeah, so, uh, and also especially, again, when you're pregnant, as as you can probably relate to, it's like you, you connect with your body in a new way. Uh, you have to reconnect with your body in a sense, like your body's changing so fast and not everyone are comfortable with <laughs> with those changes and then it becomes even more important to have something that you can put on that makes you just feel good about uh your changing body and and who and that's still kind of that you identify with yeah and that's easy that's the thing that I've I've been finding as my belly gets bigger is um Mm -hmm. you know it's harder to put clothes on it's harder to put your socks on it's harder to put your shoes on (laughs) if you have you know constricting or tight clothing or it's fussy or there's zippers in the way and there's snaps or buttons in the way it's (laughs) just like an added challenge and you know weird things and I'm sure something similar to this has come into your design process at certain points but you know something that never would have crossed my mind before before I was pregnant is like if I have my cell phone in my pocket, like my jacket pocket, and my my jacket is zipped up, and I bend down to try and put my shoes on, the phone jabs into my belly. And so, and before that was never a problem. I could just bend down, and I didn't even notice. So it's a weird little things like that that are actually functional. Yeah. You know that the type of designs you create kind of bypass those types of problems for pregnant women, anyways. Well, we're kind of um, dividing our collection into two. You have the more sort of sleep loungewear collection, which uh, actually was designed to disrupt sleepwear more so than uh, to be so versatile that it was meant to be worn outside as much. I mean, it was meant to be like almost like night dresses, sleepwear you can wear 24-7 or 24 hours. But um, uh, but then, we, you know, women were like, oh, I love these. Uh, uh, we love these dresses, but you know, we want to wear them out as well because we think we look nice in them. And then, so for the next collection, um, I thought about that and I was like, I agree. Like, <laughs> I also want to wear it out more. And so that's why for the the sort of collection that came maybe half a year after the first one, um, we made all the dresses in Tensile ISL, but also with pockets uh, for the mobile phone and more versatile and practical because that reflects how we live today like who goes home after work and then just lies around lounging for you know five waking hours yeah you know that's kind of when then the next part of your life starts and whatever that looks like for you it's definitely not just lying on the sofa um uh, so uh, to ha- you know we wanted to, or I wanted to design something that uh, was kind of something you could easily transition your life around that makes sense yeah well and I think too what you said at the beginning about something that makes you feel a little bit more polished or put together because yeah you're as your survey found out 75 or 76 percent of women come home and and change immediately into more comfortable clothing and for a lot of women it's yeah like the ugly clothes that you would never be caught 
outside in, you know, your old ratty sweatpants or a big t-shirt or, you know, clothing that's not very flattering or attractive. And, um, yeah, it's a very, it's a weird category because it's the type of clothing that people, you know, when you ask people about, uh, what they change into when they come home, they, they kind of go, Oh, they, they have clothes. They don't even know where they're from. It's like, yeah. (laughs) You know, they can't really trace the history of that of that piece of clothing. It's, you know, maybe a promotional T-shirt or just something that from their boyfriend or, you know, and uh, and then it's not it's not a very conscious decision at all. Uh, and even in in stores, department stores, if you're going to look for comfortable clothing or, you know, um, you have to go through quite many. It kinda, it's hidden in the corner. It's really hard to find. And when you find it, the the selection is really uh, poor. Yes. So I think uh, I think the 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 reasoning is be- is because before the big brands wasn't you know they weren't really focusing on the clothes that you wore at home because you, no one could see you mm-hmm. at home so it didn't matter what you wore was kind of the I think the the philosophy almost <laughs> but that has changed so much. Right. Well, and I think that was probably reflected in financials too, where people aren't or maybe previously weren't spending money on the clothing they wore at home because nobody was seeing it. So there wasn't money to be made. And so the big brands were perhaps not prioritizing putting together a collection of at-home wear. No, but when you think about it, this is the, this is the funny thing about becoming more conscious about this is that, you know, when you are home, you're usually with the people that you care the most about. Yeah. You know, it's your boyfriend or, you know, just like your family, the people you live your life with. And also, um, even more importantly, it's like where you nurture your relationship with yourself, the person, you know, and, and, and so it kind of doesn't make sense to wear the clothes you feel like the most shitty in. Yeah. Uh, for that much time, that's actually, this is, these are the clothes you spend most of your life in. Um, rather than just focusing on what you're seeing in when you're out outdoors. Yeah. yeah well, I know um, I tend to do a lot of my shopping when I'm back in the U.S. Just it's easier. I know the stores. I know I can usually find what I'm looking for, <clears throat> and and I tend to batch my shopping. Like that's just my personal habits. Um, but I was back in the States or last time I was in the States and I went to Nordstrom, which is, you know, a great store, usually has a lot of interesting selections. And, and I went to the sleepwear section because I was like, oh, I need some new pajamas or new, yeah. new things to wear at night. And it was so disappointing. I ended up not even buying anything um, yeah. because the selection was so poor. And the thing I found really surprising, and again, this is like the absolute polar opposite of what you're you're creating (laughs) um and it's just maybe my own I I just don't understand um but a lot of the clothing had like you know really bright graphics there was a lot of Disney inspired clothing and I just I as a grown woman I I just really struggle with the idea of wearing Disney clothing where is that from I mean I I was doing research research on this and I was just shocked like sleepwear is generally divided into three categories sleepwear for women either you have like the sort of hello hubby sort of uh you know style of you know Victoria's Secrets type of sleepwear yeah that uh uh, I guess one of the reasons why Victoria's Secrets isn't doing very well uh these days uh that that kind of plays to like the 60s sort of 
thought of what femininity should be like. And then you have um, the really childish stuff that yeah. uh, looks like not even like it's designed for a 12 year old, but like for a six year old uh, for women. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, you have um, uh, the uh, sort of granny 90s, you know, yes. that are just practical, <laughs> you know, but it's almost like if you start wearing that, you've kind of given up because it's the opposite to the the first category that I was talking yeah. about. Uh, you transition from that to that and with nothing in between. I don't know. Uh, and then obviously you have really expensive high-end silks and stuff that, but they are like super expensive and right. hand wash only and not really like, I think. Practical. Yeah, relevant to most women. Right. Well, and I mean, it's I, you described it exactly as I have seen it <laughs> yeah. and you leave and you're like okay well what what where's this in between category and you know especially for women of our age like late 30s early 40s like I think we're kind of driving this this new type of demographic too where we want to be stylish we want to be perhaps a little bit more put together even when we're relaxed even when we are spending time with our family or cooking dinner at home or um, I, I know for myself anyways, that's definitely the way that my fashion aesthetic has changed. And even just like yeah. the last decade is... You can't be bothered to suffer or like to be uncomfortable just to be fashionable anymore, I think. Yeah. But then also too, the other, the alternative then is to be really just like you don't care in the world, you know, yeah. you're just like, oh, I'll just put on whatever I find. And you know, to be honest, I am a little guilty of that. But the reason is uh, perhaps a little unique. <laughs> and I, and I, I um, so in, in Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, um, and it's a holistic health uh, or healing modality. And there's a lot of practices that you can do daily, like your daily rituals, your daily routines to help sustain your health, both physically but also emotionally and mentally and one of the main practices is like a daily oil massage it's called abhyanga and and I love it I do it actually twice a day right now during my pregnancy and um and there's a couple of different ways you can do it you can do it before you get in the shower and then the shower kind of washes the oil off a little bit you can do it after your shower or bath and then it has more of a chance to soak into your skin and and the reason you do it is because the weight of the oil is very nourishing for the nervous system. And yeah. it's also incredibly moisturizing. So it's better than like a body lotion or body cream. Uh, the problem is, of <laughs> course, that it's very messy and it ruins your clothes. And so for me, and it ruins your bedding as well. And so it's this fine line between like, okay, how do you, how do you do these Ayurvedic practices that you love? Mm. And then you're forced to put on kind of the uglier, like I have, <laughs> you know, pajamas that I don't care about ruining. Yeah. I mean, obviously that makes sense, but I also think that it's fine. Of course. I mean, it's not like you should have to feel like you need to sort of look elevated in a sense every day, but it's just like an alternative, you know, to, yeah that wasn't there before where if you wanted to be comfortable before you would put on your so, so you know not soggy <laughs> saggy <laughs> sweatpants and wash that t-shirts and that was what you had or you would feel a bit embarrassed because it would look like you were dressing sexy for your boyfriend in some kind of you know uh, underwearish sleepwear yeah um um not that that was necessarily embarrassing but just like 
what you're kind of portraying, I guess. Uh, so, um, so I think it's like, you know, you should have many options. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree. And I, I definitely, that's the only thing I struggle with is I go back and forth and, and I do, I alternate like some days I'm like, okay, I'm going to use my favorite body lotion. Um, you know, or I'll do my Abiyanga just in the morning or whatever the case might be. But it's, I definitely notice for myself a shift in my energy when I'm wearing kind of the crappier throwaway pajamas versus yeah. wearing something that I feel like a woman in. Yeah. Sorry, there's a, is it from my end, the sound, or is it from your end? I think it's from your end. It's from my end. I, I can't find it. I've got so many things open now in my my, my machine, so I don't know where it's coming from. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to end. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was exhausting. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's probably, probably what you and, and people who are into yoga are much better at than most other people is to, to allow to feel your energies, you know, to 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 acknowledge them and uh and um, what it takes to shift your energy and so you know sometimes maybe it's it's hard to explain to like an investor or something what mm. is so amazing about these dresses but it is definitely around that like that it's how you it's how they make you feel more yeah than anything well and it, it's it's a subtle shift in attitude too i mean we everybody knows that that the type of clothing you wear changes how you feel but yeah specifically related to loungewear or to uh, a comfortable dress that's also aesthetically beautiful. Um, My reflection is that as our uh, fashion sense evolves a little bit as women, you know, that's what we are looking for. And that's what I was kind of referring to is is within the specific demographic, like um, for myself anyways, in my 20s, I wasn't interested in feeling like a polished woman. I was still, yeah. I mean, I was also a ski bum, so it didn't really cross <laughs> my mind. But, you know, my my intention with my, with my fashion was very, very different. And then as yeah. I get older, as I mature, as um, my viewpoint of the world matures, there's definitely more, I have a demand for a type, a specific type of clothing. Yeah. And it's hard to find where it is simple, modern, clean, sustainable, like exactly what you're doing. And so I think that's a huge value to the people who are kind of in the same, same mentality or thought process or, or evolution that I'm in. I'm really happy you say that. I mean, Lisa and my co-founder and I, we've discussed a lot, uh, you know, who the Avon woman is, like, when does she get into that mindset of becoming an Avant woman and, and and I think it's exactly what you're saying is that when you're realizing that you know you want more from the clothes that you want to be more uh conscious about what you buy and why you buy them and how they should make you feel that's when uh sort of we uh they discover us I would say because you know when you are younger but having said that though like when I was younger I, I didn't care how comfortable I was at a certain time in my life as long as I felt like I was fashionable or like it was trendy or, you know, I, I, you know, all that. But I feel like the younger generation are, uh, are much more, uh, how do you say it? I mean, they, they, they are quicker getting to that point than I did when I was younger. Yeah. And I think that's probably 
a natural reflection of social media and that there's just a lot more information about fashion that people can get a lot faster. Yeah. You know, so I think it's it's trickling down. I saw a meme. I mean, of course, you know, in quarantine, there's a million memes going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and, I, and I seem to mention one on every podcast episode I do. But the one I saw yesterday was really funny. It showed um, uh, uh, 13-year-olds today, 13-year-olds when I was a kid. And it showed a picture of, like, when, when the person was a kid and she's, you know, got her braces and her big T-shirt and her hair is unbrushed and she's just a kid. And then the 13-year-old today is, like, this curated Instagram. She's in high heels and she has a, <laughs> the big blow-up balloons that say 1-3 or, um, uh, yeah, that say 1-3. And it's like, oh, my God, that is so true. Like, the demand yeah. for different types of fashion, and I would even say more mature types of fashion, is yeah. is is happening a lot younger and younger for and that's for better or for worse like I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I think too uh, it's for better and worse in many ways but I, I I think that just because we're like in the process now it's hard to see where this is going uh but what I like about uh there's definitely like a shift in femininity yes. like what that means uh and for that to be defined more by us as women rather than from the outside <laughs> uh, and imposed on us and i think there's and, that, and that's a good discussion to to have in society and for and i think it's a good discussion for avant to be part of but you know designing dresses that are meant that are very feminine but also meant to uh make you feel good about yourself you know but also about, around luxury like what is luxury mm-hmm. before like, like the old traditional luxury is about it's about unattainability. Un- un- if yeah, I think that's a word, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, aspiration to like such a high degree, whereas I think like the new type of luxuries is much more, uh, you know, individual. And it's, you know, I'm hoping it's much more about you know sustainability and uh, and scarcity in a different way, you know. Uh, where things have a price, not just, you know, for it to be so expensive that only a few people can buy it, but because there's a purpose, you know, like because of what's been put into it. So I like that we are a part of this dialogue that is going on right now. It's a very sort of tense dialogue in many ways, and it's like no clear answers, but it it is very interesting. Yeah, well, and that's certainly in line with with yogic values as well, where we talk a lot about um, how do we balance consumerism with uh, awareness. Yeah, and I think that's a really big part of the sustainability piece. Is okay. Well, maybe something costs a little bit more. It's a little bit more expensive to buy upfront, but what you are buying is trust in that brand and trust that. Um, the people who create it are, are paid fairly. Trust that the process to create the fabric is not as damaging to the environment as some other processes. And the perhaps distribution chain is maybe a little bit more streamlined or, you know, things that yeah. I think now consumers are demanding that they didn't even care about 10, 15, 20 years ago. No, absolutely. And I think that it just becomes you know I guess we this is almost like what we've been talking about for a while now is that it's it just gets so complex and hard to be a consumer to know Mm. even if you want to do the right things like how do you know and so it's it's increasingly up to the brands the companies to make it easier for consumers to to do to make a good choice I feel that was actually a huge motivation for me not only like if you're starting a fashion brand and 
now these times you can't I, I think like it, you can't start without really like looking into the sustainability uh, question of wanting to improve uh, on that because it's such a huge problem but but also I think like you need to take that the responsibility of making it easier you know for customers uh, seriously <laughs> Uh, because it's just uh, so frustrating. I, I felt that uh, a lot, wanting to do the right things and make the right choices, but like not, oh, it's just too much. I can't, you know, you almost become a bit apathic to it. Like, what do you do? Yeah, well, and it's also the idea, I think, especially for newer brands and, and for smaller brands, um, and certainly this is the the mentality I have as well with my business, is how do we go deep and not wide? You know, if we try to be everything to everyone, it's it's too much, it's too overwhelming, and ultimately, like, we're going to burn out. But yeah. if we have a very clear focus on on the why, why are we doing this? What's the vision? How are we getting there? Um, and, and also, how are we part of the solution? Yeah. I think that's anybody who has a more sustainable or, or conscious brand, that's, we're not just there to make a money and churn and burn, like, Yes, of course, you have to make money as a business. But there's also, I think, that um, uh, social responsibility component too. Like, okay, what are we giving back? How are we helping? How is this bettering society around us? And and that's an interesting question. Yeah, for sure. And I, um, I think that uh, for me, I never wanted to start just a fashion company you know it wasn't interesting unless you could really touch you know uh, have the ambition to try to tackle these issues so for us it's about it's all about designing for longevity you know like we're designing clothes that people can use every day that are made to last I think that's like almost like the number one sustainability um, practice that you can do is to to buy something that you are going to wear for a long time uh, but then also to to disrupt the supply chain, to, you know, um, try to be more data driven so that you can be more, you know, working towards understanding your customers better so that you're not just designing something and hoping people are going to like it. But eventually it's more of a collaborative effort where mm-hmm. you design something, you know, people want. And that, you know, that's why I was you know starting the whole brand with pre-order uh, campaigns to test out what does that look like? Uh, so you actually produce what is already been pre-ordered rather than uh, sitting uh, being left with lots of overproduction yeah uh, and then to move towards a circular uh, economy like not just handling sustainability in one small part of the supply chain but just kind of looking how can you make something that can go the whole way you know to kind of close the loop um, and so these are really like big ambitions but like I think those are the ambitions you have to have um yeah yeah well and and the last thing I'll say about this before we wrap up is it's kind of a continuation of that is what I think happens naturally then when you when you build your business that way is uh consumers actually are looking for that and consumers want to support brands that are going the extra mile to be more conscious and aware of of everything and how they're operating and I think that's where you find loyalty in your customer base too is they trust you as a brand and that's that's invaluable (laughs) as a business owner like that's what everybody's trying to do and I think that's the the real goal it's not just like the customer acquisition or how do you get somebody to buy something once or how do I get somebody to sign up for one workshop with me um it's 
are you walking the talk and are you living your brand and the lifestyle that you are promoting? And, and I think that's where people are really attracted, especially in the younger generations where they're like, okay, I want luxury. I want it to work. I want it to last. I want to get something from this. Um, you know, like I sell an experience. And so that's a different kind of, uh, consideration (laughs) because there's no, there's no product per se, uh, sitting on a shelf, but it's just, it's so fascinating. And, and I love that there's so many women who are entering the space in terms of entrepreneurship and sustainability and, and whatever that looks like. And yeah, I just, I think it's exciting. And even though who knows what's going to happen after all of this dust settles <laughs> after the massive, I mean, I don't even know what yeah. we call it anymore. I mean, it's so earth shattering. I think um, we can just call it what it is, which is the beginning of a financial downturn. Like it's the beginning of a recession. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for I agree with that for sure. Um, but I mean, but obviously, cons- it's more than that. It's a yeah. It's I mean, just <laughs> considering the the energetic shakeup, and I mean, yes, economic, yes, health. Like it's just it's so. I mean, it's changing the psyche of our global society. Yeah. It's so yeah difficult to even comprehend or put into words but I think the positive thing is it's it also is opening the door to opportunity yeah absolutely and you know I think that it's never been easier to start something uh, of your own but it's also never been harder to make a dent uh, which is an interesting combination but I also really love uh, the female community of founders and entrepreneurs that we are uh, a part of uh, and that we're supporting each other. It's, uh, it feels so different to be an entrepreneur now than when I first started my, you know, a company like 10 years ago. Uh, it's, uh, it's actually a really good time. I agree. I totally agree. And, and in Oslo, we're so lucky because there's a lot of women who are out there taking risks and, uh, paving the way. And so I think it's really inspiring. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to invite you onto the podcast is, um, you know, I think what you're up to is really cool and very inspiring. And thank you. Yeah, I just that I was so nervous. I was going to go. Yeah, but it's, you know, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day and um, yeah, telling us about your brand. Uh, it's my pleasure. And uh, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully someone has got something out of it rather than me just rambling on. Um, but it was uh, really nice talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. And we will just be in touch, Aneta. Will be. Thank uh, you. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>